Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Back of Bibles, that we'll give those out. If you would like one, you can slip your hand up and she'll come around and give one to you. Um, we are going to be hanging out in that passage that we just read together. What a cool way of doing that. That was awesome. We're, we're in this series called A Thrill of Hope, and, and, and the, the goal here, what, but our heart, our heart in this series has been that at a time when it seems that hope is, is in short supply, that we would be encouraged, that we could in, encourage one another as we look at the story of Christmas and we learn from those who are part of the story of, of Christmas in the scriptures, that we could be filled with hope in these difficult days. The title of my message is The Weary World Rejoices. Um, it feels like we're living in a weary world, doesn't it? And I was, I was studying this passage, I was studying through this, this story in Luke 2, and I, and I, and I realized that what we see happen to the shepherds is that they get a change in perspective. Now, when they find out about the story, it doesn't actually change what's happening as far as Jesus coming and, and, and that kind of thing, right? They, they just catch wind of it. They hear about it. And something happens in them as a result. And they get a change of perspective. Last night, my family was uh, watching the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody in here seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? A couple of us. Pretty, pretty famous movie. It's been around for a long time, and there's a good reason for it. It's an, it's an incredible story. And what happens in It's a Wonderful Life is that George Bailey, the main character of the story, throughout, throughout this story, you, you learn about his life. You learn that he feels that he's stuck in a life that he didn't choose for himself. He's stuck in a life he did not choose for himself. And eventually, he, he, he runs into this problem where uh, it's looking like he is going to be scandalized and have to go to jail because a business partner lost a bunch of money. They can't pay their debts. And he decides, it'd be better for me just, to, just not to live anymore. But the story is so powerful, and it, and, it has, and it has stood the test of time because what happens to George Bailey is that he gains a new perspective on his life. He gets, he gets the gift of a brand new perspective on the life that he's been given. And you see, you see this overflowing joy that, that, he, that he gets because of that. And he is so happy, he's so grateful for the life that he's been given. And of course, in the end, his friends all come to his aid and, and they, they all give him money. And so he's able to, um, he's, he's able to you know, 
stay out of jail and pay off his debts. But before that happens, even when he thinks he's going to jail, even when he thinks that his situation hasn't changed in the least, he has a new perspective. And I would argue that if you're a Christian this morning, this is available to every single one of us. If we will see our lives, if we will see our day, if we will see 2020 from the perspective of heaven, then we can have the same thing that George Bailey had, an unshakable joy without a change in his situation. The Bible tells us that um, Satan's main tactic is to deceive, to blind. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. This is what he does. He, he blinds, he, he, he deceives, he keeps us from seeing what's true. And Christian, he is still trying to do that to you and I. He's still trying to, to blind us from the hope that we have. He's still trying to keep us from seeing how wonderful God's plan is. And so today we're going to look at this story. We're going to see that, yeah, uh, 2020 has been rough. I mean, I, I, I've never had more conversations with people who, who've said, I feel like we are living in the last days. I feel like we have stepped into the book of Revelation. A lot of heads nodding. We feel that, right? There have been more natural disasters this year, lot, tons of records broken, hurricane records broken, earthquake records broken. We've got locusts devouring crops in Africa. We've got a pandemic, a global pandemic. We've got record-breaking floods, record-breaking fires. What in the world is going on? We've got more political division, racial division in our country than we can remember in a long, long time. What is going on? And a lot of people are saying, I think we're going into the last days. I feel like that this is it. And then on top of it, all people are isolated, depressed. Struggling to stay strong in the midst of this. But listen, I have a message of hope for you this morning. Believers, we have been given perspective from heaven. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see what is that perspective from heaven. And we're going to see what that does inside of us. It says in Psalm 112, 6-7, For the righteous will never be moved. And then it says, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. My prayer for you is that you will hear this news this morning. And you will say, yeah, my heart's firm. I trust him. I'm not afraid of what I'm going to find out when I turn on the TV, what I'm going to find out when I pull up the news on my phone. I'm not afraid of it because my God is in control. Anybody else need that this morning? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, 
I thank you this morning for your church, for the songs and hymns and spiritual songs that we have made with thankfulness in our hearts to you. Lord, we, we look to you in the midst of what is one of the strangest, at least for, for myself, I can say the strangest year of my life. For most of us, the strangest year of our lives, the hardest in many ways, Lord, the strangest Christmas season, God. And, and we don't want to pretend this isn't happening or, or gloss over it as if it wasn't hard, Lord, but I pray that you would help us to be able to look at dead on and still say, my heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Would you bolster us this morning? Would you fortify our faith by the gospel? In Jesus' name, amen. So as I studied this passage, I realized this, um, this story takes place in a cultural moment that is somewhat similar to ours. Um, if you flip back a page from Luke 2, probably flipping back a page, um, to Luke 1, at the very end of Luke 1, we, we get this, this is within Zechariah's prophecy about John the Baptist, and at the very end he says, um, he says, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. And then listen to this, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet to the way of peace. To give light to those who sit in darkness. Now, what, what we find at this moment in history when we get to Luke 2 is God has not spoken through a prophet for 400 years. 400 years of silence. And in the meantime, Rome has established itself as the world empire, and the, the people of Israel, God's people, are under its thumb. And our story that we read this morning, that we've, maybe we've heard it so many times or read it so many times that we gloss over it, but the very beginning of our story, what we find is that Caesar Augustus has issued a decree for the whole world to be registered. Why? So they can be taxed. So our story begins with the entire world, the entire known world to these authors, being forced to be registered. And I just, I just began to imagine using my biblical imagination as I study the story, I just began to imagine these shepherds as they're sitting on this hill just outside of Bethlehem looking up at the stars, hands folded across their chest, saying, can you believe Caesar? 
I mean, this is inconvenient. This is more than just inconvenient. This feels like overreach to me. This feels invasive. I mean, if, if at first it's everyone's got to be registered, what next? Anybody else heard any conversations like that recently? <laughs> and they're sitting there and they, they don't know what to think because for thousands of years, God has promised that a Messiah was going to come a ruler would come out of the nation of Israel and he would establish God's kingdom on the earth. Where is he? Where is this Messiah? Has God forgotten us? What is God doing? Where is God in the midst of all of this? Anybody else felt like that this year? Where is he? Has God forgotten us? Has God changed his plan? Has he abandoned his people? These shepherds are us. These shepherds are us in this story. And think about it. All the other characters within the Christmas story have this direct role to play. And, and then along comes this part of the story where it's just these these average everyday folks out doing their job. They don't have any specific role to play in the story. They just receive the news about it. It's us. And when they receive this news, their life is changed. Look at, we're going we're gonna to just focus in on these shepherds and, and their response. Look at verses 8 through 10. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Here's the very first thing that we see that happens when people on earth are given heaven's perspective is that fear is vanquished. The angel says to them, fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good news. Notice he, he, he does not say to them, fear not, we're angels. We're good guys. That's not, that's not the foundation for them not fearing. The foundation for them not fearing is this news, which is the good news we believe today, which means it is still our foundation for not fearing. Fear not for, behold, look, I bring you good news. Now, I want to ask this question so that we can process this together. Can we trust these angels and their perspective? The angels say that this is cause for, for not being afraid. Can we trust their perspective? And just briefly, I want to say yes, and here's why. First reason, these are 
messengers from God. The word angel means messenger. They come on a mission directly from God. So that's the first reason that we can trust their perspective. The second reason that we can trust their perspective is that they don't have sin blinding them, deceiving them like we do. These are not fallen angels. These are obedient, holy angels. Okay? So they see without that messing up their sight. Third reason that we can trust their perspective, they have watched all of history unfold. They, they, aren't, they aren't only seeing the little, you know, however long these shepherds have been alive, 20, 30, 40 years, however long they've been alive, probably 20 years. They are looking down on history right now as well. And they don't just see our little lifetime. They don't just see 2020. They see thousands of years of God's faithfulness. They see His hand in it all and on it all. And they come down, and from heaven's perspective, this is what they believe you don't need to fear. Wait till you hear the news I have for you. They're watching, saying, you humans, you're afraid. I get it. You can't see what all we've seen. But let me tell you, don't be afraid. And if they were to step in the door today, they would tell us the same thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? For behold, I bring you good news. Interestingly, this this word, I bring you good news, it's the verbal form of evangel, evangel, whatever the Greek is there, evangelion, I think is what it is. It's the verbal form of it. So it is, they're saying... I evangelize you. (laughs) That's what they're saying. I bring you the gospel. That's what they're saying. These angels are evangelists. What they are literally saying is, this gospel is so good, it is enough to produce great joy in all people in the middle of this reality. And that is still true for us today. What is this good news? Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This good news is wrapped up in these three titles for Jesus. The good news is that Jesus has come, and Jesus is a Savior. He has come to rescue us. He has come to rescue us. He has come, and He is coming, church. He has come. He came to rescue us from our sins, to do away with all the sin that kept us from God to tear down the wall of hostility between us and God. He has come to save us from our sins. Why? Because judgment is coming. 
It's coming for every single human being. Every single person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for every deed done, every word spoken. And so he came as a savior. He came to save us from that judgment. He has come and he is coming. The Bible says as sure as he came once, he is returning on the clouds. He is coming back for his church. He is coming back to establish his kingdom on this earth. He's coming back to vanquish all evil. He's a savior. And so we have no reason to fear. The next thing says, who is Christ? A savior, who is Christ? Now think about what good news this is for these shepherds. It's been 400 years of silence. Has God forgotten us? Has God abandoned us? And the answer comes clearly, no. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He is Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the one who's been prophesied about for thousands of years. God's plan is still happening. Nothing's changed it. It might have felt like it's shaken, but it hasn't been. And the same thing is true for us today. God's plan is still in motion. Nothing has changed it. Nothing can change it. God will carry out His plans. Every single prophecy that has been made will come to pass. And then the last piece of the news, who is Christ the Lord? This Savior is also Lord. That means there is no power above Him, no authority above Him. He has all the authority. He is sovereign. There is no one who can overrule Him, no one who can challenge His throne. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you believe this today, church? Do you believe this today? When you read the news, do you believe this today? When you look at the political landscape, do you believe this today? He is Lord. When you look at the virus, when you look at the nations, when you look at the persecuted church in the world, do you believe that He is Lord still today? Amen. In a global pandemic, in a divided country, in a broken nation, in our broken situation, in our lives, He is still Lord. Salvation is coming. God's plan is unfolding. And He cannot be stopped. And because of this good news, we don't have to be afraid. That's the first result of gaining heaven's perspective. The second thing that happens when we get heaven's perspective, look at verses 12 through 16. Look at what these shepherds do. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. These shepherds, their first reaction to this news is to run straight to Jesus. Can you imagine if the story had said, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, anyway, can you believe Caesar? And yet, we do this Sunday after Sunday. We come in, we hear the good news. We get a glimpse of heaven's perspective on our reality, and then we get in our cars and we say, anyway. And we go about our weeks unchanged. I want to encourage you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning to let this good news drive you to Jesus. He is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They run to Jesus. How do you do that? How do you and I run to Jesus? Well, If you've never put your trust in him, the Bible says to turn from your sins and to put your faith in him, to run toward him, turn away from doing life your way and turn to him and trust him and let him lead you. And if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you this morning to do that, to turn away from all of your sin, from all of your own way of doing things and to turn to him, to run to him. There is no restoration apart from repentance. Run to Jesus. Throw off every sin, everything that hinders. And this is true for us too, believers. The call for us still today is to run to him, to rush into his presence to want to be with him. Look at this. These shepherds leave their flock. They decide that work is not more important than being with Jesus. These shepherds are outcasts, which means when they go into town, they may have some awkward interactions. People don't necessarily love shepherds. They're willing to risk it. It's the, middle of the, it's the middle of the night, right? And, and they're going to probably cause a disturbance. They're not worried about it. They have determined that nothing will keep them from being in the presence of Jesus. 
I want to ask you this morning, I want you to do a little soul searching. Is there anything in your life keeping you from Jesus? Is there anything in your life that is keeping you out of his presence? That's, that's defiling your conscience and making you stay away. Are you full of pride? The Bible says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself. Turn from your sins. Run to Him and spend time with Him. Have you been letting things get in the way of time in the Word, of time in prayer? If there has ever been a time in our lives, in our generation, that we ought to be drawing near to Jesus every day, it is now. Let nothing keep you from Him. If that's you, then I would just say, pray. Say, Lord, Father, give me a new perspective that would keep, that would, that would drive me to Jesus, not keep me from Him. The third thing that happens when they gain heaven's perspective, verse 17 and 18 when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It does not say they made known the visitation of the angels. It doesn't say that they went into town and said, Angels, guys, we saw angels. The glory of the Lord, the light of the glory of the Lord was shining around us. There was a multitude of them. I mean, angels, guys. Look at what it says. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. That was the focus of their speech. Listen to what we learned about this baby, about this child. He's a savior who is Christ the Lord. They spread the word. They cannot keep it in. I picture the angels before they shared this news with the shepherds being so full of anticipation, so full of excitement. They cannot wait to let earth know what heaven has already known. They cannot wait. And that excitement is now in these shepherds. They made known the saying, and it says, and all who heard it. So apparently they shared it with a good number of people. All who heard it wondered at what they said. Now, what about you? Are you so excited about this good news that you have to tell people about it? If not... If not, then we aren't seeing it rightly. If not, our perspective needs to change. Right? This is the greatest news in all the world. And our world sits in darkness and in the shadow of death. And we have light. And so if you aren't bursting with this good news, then pray and say, God, give me heaven's perspective on what you've done. 
The last thing that we see that changes because of gaining heaven's perspective. It says, verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We're going to look back at verse 19 in just a second. The shepherds are changed. They go back to their workplace. They go back to work, right? They don't just say, well, <laughs> the Messiah's come. It's, it's no need to go back to work, right? There's still life to live. In fact, this Messiah is a baby. There's still many years before he's going to do it. These shepherds are probably not going to even be alive when Jesus begins his ministry. Something to think about. And yet, this hope changed their lives. They went back to work glorifying and praising God. When they gained heaven's perspective, they responded with heaven's response. The angels who have heaven's perspective come down and they are glorifying and praising God. And now... The shepherds who have heaven's perspective are glorifying and praising God. Believer, did you know that the Bible says to glorify God in everything that you do? Everything. Everything that you do can be done to the glory of God. And these shepherds get back to work and they realize you know, the world is not what we thought it was. Our lives are not what we thought they were. And even though, technically, nothing in their circumstances had changed, for them, everything changed because they gained a new perspective. They gained a, a George Bailey kind of perspective, life-changing shift in perspective. I've been asking myself a lot lately, if we really are in the last days, if we really are beginning the end, what does the church need most? What do we need most? And the thing that keeps coming back is that we need to be Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that we have heard. We need to be fortified. We need to have right perspective. Because when you have right perspective, you can endure anything with joy. Think of Paul and Silas in chains, in a prison, after being beaten, mind you, almost to death, singing psalms and hymns. If you can have that perspective, no jail can hold you. No darkness can cover you. It doesn't matter what comes our way. If you have heaven's perspective, 
you can go through anything. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. How do you have the joy of the Lord? You have to have the perspective of the Lord. So, how do we do that? We know this gospel. Church, we know it. We know that Jesus is the Savior of the world who came to save us from our sins and is returning to save us from the presence of all sin. We know that. We know He is the promised Messiah. That God's plan is perfectly unfolding. We know this. We know that He is Lord, that He is sovereign, that no one can overrule Him. No one can thwart Him. And yet we still struggle. What do we do? And that brings me back to verse 19. Look at what Mary did. Actually, look at 18 and 19. It says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary responds a little differently. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary hears this, and she doesn't just wonder at it. She isn't just amazed by it. She chooses to do something with it. What specifically does she do with it? She treasures it up. And what does that look like? What does it look like to treasure it up? She ponders them. She ponders these things in her heart. It sounds so simple, and yet it's so hard to do, which is why the Bible tells us that she did it. This is how we gain heaven's perspective. This is how we keep from getting dragged back into the world's perspective. We treasure up this good news, God's word. We treasure it up. We ponder it in our hearts. We fix our thoughts on him. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what we need to do. We need to fix our attention on the gospel. It's been said that focus is worship. What you focus on, you will worship. It's been said that attention is the beginning of adoration. You cannot adore what you do not give your attention to. It's been said in the Word that we are transformed into the image of Christ by beholding Him, by fixing our minds on Him. This is how we gain heaven's perspective. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into His image, from one degree of glory to the next. This is how we treasure it up. We ponder it. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit, not on the things of the flesh. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds 
on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Listen, we pass over this because it seems so simple that we think there's no way that could be life-changing. And yet it is. Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. By what we think about, we're transformed. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is so important, church. In in a day and age when so much is pulling for our attention, constantly we are the most distracted age ever. (laughs) And when so much is pulling at our attention, it has never been more important that we set our attention on Christ, that we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Can we possibly expect to have heaven's perspective when we spend more time setting our attention, setting our focus on the world's message than we are on God's message to us? Who is to blame but ourselves if we're discouraged when we spend more time watching the news or reading the news than we do His Word? We are to blame for our own discouragement. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make every single day. What will we set our minds on? And your perseverance and mine, your endurance and mine, your joy and mine depends upon that choice. It is that important. And so, church, let's let's go from here like Mary. Let's treasure up this good news and let's ponder it in our hearts. Let's not let it leave our focus, our attention. Let's put down the news and pick up the word. And let's put our focus here and on the Lord and on what he is doing The Savior has come and He is coming. His plans will unfold perfectly and no one can stop Him. Let's pray. Father, You are so good. We worship You. We praise You. You are God in the highest heaven. There is no God beside you. There is no God above you. You are God in the highest. And you have chosen to set your affections on us, on those who did not deserve it. You have chosen to show us mercy. God, We praise you. We thank you for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to set our hope firmly on this good news. Not shifting. 
but firmly on this good news. Help us, Lord. Help us to be like Mary, to treasure these things up, to ponder them in our hearts. And God, would you grant us heaven's perspective as we do it? In Jesus' name, amen.